Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's Sunday, June 4th, 2023, and this is Markets Daily from Coindesk. I'm Adam B. Levine here again with your weekend story. On today's show, we're taking a look at Senator Warren's latest windmill. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Today's featured story is an opinion piece by Coindesk's Daniel Kuhn. Our piece today is entitled, Why Elizabeth Warren is Wrong About Crypto and the Fentanyl Epidemic. For a while, crypto's role in the illegal and gray area drug trade seemed swept under the rug, or at least it was not getting the attention it could have, which is good and bad for an industry still looking to shed its early associations with the Silk Road digital marketplace, which the Fed shuttered back in 2013. It's good because some people have a tendency to moralize about drug use, and the less crypto is linked to crime in general, the less the entire industry will be stigmatized. However, it would arguably be better to be upfront about such things, assuming they're going on as data now suggests. If crypto ever has a shot of finding a killer use case, or mass user base who understands why blockchains are important. U.S. Senator Elizabeth Warren, a Democrat from Massachusetts, is calling for a greater crypto crackdown following new research from blockchain analytics firms Chainalysis and Elliptic that found Bitcoin and Tether, or USDT, have become cornerstone to the global fentanyl trade. These are the same research companies that put out annual reports showing a fraction of a fraction of crypto transactions can be tied to illicit use. Quote, crypto is helping fund the fentanyl trade, and we have the power to shut that down, Warren said, continuing, it's time, end quote. The senator is a longtime critic of crypto, who recently made an incomprehensible anti-crypto army campaign part of her re-election bid. But does the senator have a point? I already know what the crypto faithful will say. Chainalysis estimates less than 1% of total crypto transactions are related to crime, so it doesn't matter if Chainalysis is now saying there's evidence. At least $37.8 million worth of crypto was sent to drug manufacturers in China since 2018. But hold that thought, we'll get back to it. First, let's try to place crypto's alleged use for drug sales in the context of the global drug trade. To start, it's difficult to judge just how large the fentanyl economy is, because it is, by nature, kept mostly out of sight. But if Chainalysis and Ellipsis figures are to be meaningful, they need context. According to one source Chainalysis cited, total, quote, chemical exports, end quote, from China, assumed by most authorities to be the largest manufacturer and exporter of black and gray market drugs, surpassed $100 billion in 2021 alone. But looking at the webpage, I'm pretty sure that figure refers to literally all chemicals exported from China, not just the funny ones that make you feel good, but also the ones that are prescribed, used to clean your floors and otherwise. Not to sound like a living galaxy brain meme, but your body is chemistry. The Earth is chemistry. It's a broad category. 
And here's some more context. The U.S. Customs and Border Protection said it seized a record 14,700 pounds of fentanyl in 2022, and at a street price of $1,500 per pound, with an actual dose measured in milligrams or micrograms, depending on the fentanyl analog in question, that's a little over $22 million worth of the synthetic opioid that otherwise would have been sold. But like the time when the U.S. Navy measured the success rate of World War II planes solely on those that returned from a bombing campaign, this figure is an example of selection bias. The U.S. government can count the pounds of fentanyl catches, but not those that slip through its grasp. Elsewhere, depending on where you look, the total global illicit drug trade ranges anywhere from tens of billions to hundreds of trillions of dollars. The important thing here isn't to get hung up with the numbers, but to show that Chainalysis's estimate is likely contingent on a number of factors that always come into play when trying to find the absolute value of something. Notably, the drug industry does and does not include everything from the cultivation, manufacture, distribution, and sale of illicit substances, depending on your chosen frame. The headline number Chainalysis supplies, 37.8 million, is severely limited in scope. It's based on a predictive map using four identified shops that sell fentanyl precursors in China. And it's worth noting that precursors are not the drugs themselves, but can be seen as a fair proxy. In other words, it says almost nothing about the scope of crypto's use in the global drug trade. It barely says anything about crypto's use in the fentanyl industry in just one country. It's based on a sampling of addresses that the analytics firm can actually identify, or a probabilistic mapping of addresses. And that leaves room for unidentified alphanumeric public keys to be kept out of the count. And as an aside, this, I think, explains why Chainalysis often retroactively increases its reported statistics, because it's literally mapping more crypto addresses, giving a better sense of how much illicit activity is happening. As far as I can see, the company does not talk openly about what percentage of crypto addresses it can link to known entities. And I've asked, too, without detailed responses. And that's fair. It's not in its corporate interest to reveal such information. Chainalysis sells its analytic tech and know-how to governments and corporations that want to know things about the blockchain. There are a lot of people in crypto who view Chainalysis with contempt because it's a company expressly working against people's privacy. What's more important, however, is that Chainalysis showed that the idea of on-chain privacy is a joke. There was a time, I've read, when people genuinely thought Bitcoin was a way to transact privately online, which could not be further from the truth. Being honest about the industry and the limits of this technology is the best thing crypto can do for itself. This includes being honest about crypto's use in online drug markets rather than sweeping that story under the rug. At an anecdotal level, almost all clearnet drug markets now have an option for paying with crypto. Many even offer discounts on sales made in crypto to encourage its use. We also all know that person whose first use of Bitcoin was to buy pot or a fake ID. I'd wager most transactions like this are not swept into analytics firms' accounting, though as Know Your Customer or KYC and other data surveillance and sharing rules come into play, that may change. But none of that suggests that crypto plays a superordinate role in the modern illicit drug industry, or that it should be targeted out in particular, as Senator Warren suggests. If it wasn't crypto being used, it'd be a different payment technology. Similar to how some have incorrectly argued that crypto is unlocking a wave of ransomware attacks, the rise of online drug markets, online crime, and crypto are all data points in a larger story. Greater and greater internet use. So remember, transactions on-chain are permanent, which is why even though crypto is used for crime, you probably shouldn't use it for anything bad. And that's our show for today. Thank you very much for listening. Today's episode was edited by Ryan. And for those of you still with us, we'd love to hear what you think. You can send us an email at podcast at coindesk.com. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. 